Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another wonderful installment of Matt and Dennis. It's the Matt and Dennis podcast. My name is Matt Scrano. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, how are you tonight? I'm lovely, Matt. So lovely. Good to hear. Good to hear. You're going to be more lovely when I introduce. We have uh, one of our reoccurring guests. No, that is why I'm so lovely. No more love will be had. Okay. The love I feel. So you've been lovely this whole time. That's that's good to know. Well, I added the second lovely. <laughs> I was lovely. Our guest joined. I'm more lovely. I will not be lovelier. Lovely squared or lovely times two. Which lovely cubed. I mean, I guess, yeah, you could be. That's a thing, right? The little three. That is enough math for me. Uh, let's welcome back our dear friend. <laughs> That's enough math for me. That's why Dennis, you and I went into media and broadcasting. <laughs> we did. Fun fact, though. That's how we met. Math. That, who would have thought? Who would have thought math would bring us together? We, we bring in our dear friend, Mr. Ellis Gill. Ellis, welcome back to Matt and Dennis. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm just lovely. Thanks for having me back. Love being on the show. Appreciate it. How about that for an intro? <laughs> Ellis, I want to send you a belated uh, happy Victory Monday. Uh, it's Thursday now, uh, but the Giants won, so it was Victory Monday. Dennis and I celebrated, so we celebrate that with you now. We'll get into that. And, and more NFL and our beloved Giants later. But we begin uh, with college football, something that uh, you and Dennis uh, are, much more, are much more well-versed in uh, than, let's say, myself. Uh, gentlemen, as the current uh, rankings go, which, of course, I just X'd out of them by accident. Uh, you don't need to bring them back up. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. There you go. Are, is the, you know who five is without looking at it? Number five is A&M. You know who six is? Do you have it in front of you? Six, no, I, I promise six you I don't. Florida. Florida. Right now. Six is Florida. Seven is Iowa State. Eight, Cincinnati. Correct. Iowa State jumped this week. All right. So those are your top four or your top eight, so to speak. Um, top four. Here's the schedule of the top four remaining coming up. You have Alabama takes on Arkansas this coming weekend, and then next week they'll play the Florida Gators. Michigan versus Ohio State was supposed to be this week, and obviously uh, that got canceled, starting a conversation of if the Big Ten would bend the rules to let Ohio State play in the Big Ten tournament, because if they don't, chances are they wouldn't be able to play in college football playoff. But as we've said off the air, chances of that happening were very slim to none. Um, Ole Miss, uh, or Texas A&M was supposed to play Ole Miss this weekend. That game was also canceled. Clemson and Notre Dame are both uh, off this weekend until they play next weekend in the ACC uh, championship game. So two-part question. Um, a one-part question, knowing those schedules now, does anything change in either of your opinions in the college football playoff? And we can, we can, we can kind of snowball into – What do you mean does anything change? Like will we see a different – same, same four, like same, correct same question i asked you as it stands and as most people think the college football playoff will include alabama notre dame clemson and ohio state with the games that are remaining and as the top four stands right now will those four teams disregard uh kind of how they could dance around in the top four for now but with the college football playoff include those four teams as you see it now with about a week week and a half left of games I will make this short and sweet and say yes. The only 
change will be Notre Dame sliding back into the four hole because they will play Clemson tough enough, but will lose, allowing Clemson to be in. And of course, with three of the four only having the championship game left, they only need to win one game. Everybody is, people have brought up that I, I was going to make this a little shorter, but people have brought up why are we just counting out Northwestern for beating to beat Ohio State? We're counting out Northwestern for beating Ohio State. Okay. They walked into East Lansing and got punched in the mouth in the first quarter. They can't score enough points. The only way you're beating Ohio State is scoring enough points. That same Buckeye team went into East Lansing and beat the piss out of them. Like four, they put 48 points on the board. Northwestern has no shot. I'm sorry. The fighting Reese Davises. I don't know if you guys heard that when uh, Joey Galloway said that they got a bunch of Reese Davises out there because they're basically just a bunch of nerds because Northwestern's a very good school. Uh, and then they went out and beat Wisconsin and got into this position. But yeah, they're not, they don't have enough offense to hang with Ohio State. So yes, those four teams will make the college football playoff. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. And the only, I the could only see the committee maybe making Ohio State the two seed because they're undefeated, but I feel like the ACC winner is the two seed. And the only the only thing you have, uh, you have all four of them making the college football playoff, as I think many would agree with you, the majority would agree with you, but you do have Clemson and Ohio State. No, Clemson and Notre Dame switching places. Yeah, because I, I think Clemson will, with Trevor Lawrence, find a way, because I know I'm biased as a fan, but Notre Dame has been playing better and better each week. And Ian Book has played his way into the Heisman conversation. He's not going to win. He might get some percentage of the votes, but he's going to get an invite to their virtual ceremony that they're going to have right after New Year's. Yes, it's later than it normally is because of COVID and stuff. It's not till like January 10th or something like that. But they're going to football team. They have an offensive line that can protect. They have a running game. They have... I'm not going to say their defense is as good as Alabama, but it's right behind it. It's by far the second best defense in the top four, maybe the top six. A&M's might be a little bit better. Florida does not have a defense. I do want to see Florida beat Bama. I would love to see that chaos, what the committee does. Uh, but I don't know. I think offensively Bama can outslug Florida. Tell us, same question over to you. College football rankings top four as they stand. Do you have Clemson beating Notre Dame? And uh, regardless, do those four teams make the college football playoff? Uh, I tend to agree with Dennis on this one. Uh, I think all four of those teams will inevitably make it into the college football playoff. Um, I think unless Notre Dame gets absolutely destroyed, I think because of the lack of games, Ohio State will still remain the four because It'll, it'll only give them six games. And how many Dame, How many games Notre Dame played then? Eight, nine? It, after the ACC title game, they'll be nine and one or ten and oh, maybe. I don't think they got ten because right. of the Wake Forest cancels. Cancels. So, I mean, I, I think Clemson is going to beat Notre Dame in, in the ACC championship game. But I think as long as they don't get blown out, I think it'll remain out. I think it'll go Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State will stay as the four just because they haven't had enough games. Notre Dame is 10 and 0 right now. Okay. So double the amount of games that Ohio State has. The only the only thing I would like to add, and you could probably assume what's coming, um, in terms of the time, of course, this team is not going to make the college football playoff, but, and I would love everyone's expertise. I know what you're going to say strength of schedule, strength of schedule. 
But why does why did Iowa State jump Cincinnati with two losses? Because they're beating ranked opponents. Cincinnati's not playing. Cincinnati played ranked opponents. No, I just mean more recently. And then Iowa State manhandled a West Virginia team that has one of the better defenses in the Big 12. And they put up 46 on them, 45. They're getting better and better. And the Gary Barta said this, the Iowa AD, who's the committee chairman. They have the leading rusher in Brees Hall. Their offense is putting up points. They have a strong enough defense. And they have they have the tougher schedule. Cincinnati feeling in more ranked teams. Cincinnati feeling currently ranked teams. Cincinnati feeling the pain that UCF uh, has to feel on or had to feel two or two or three years in a row from college football. Anywho, I digress. I give the two of you the floor because I know there's probably other college football topics you wanted to go through. Um, so have at it. Uh, the only other thing I had on the agenda for college football was uh, talking LSU. Um, and we can go into that now. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to touch on for that. We can tie it in really quickly before we get back to the playoff talk, only because people will say, I don't know if you saw the news say with Boston College, that they are opting out of their bowl game. They're the first to do it. There are talks that the college football insiders, like your Brett McMurphy's, Nicole Auerbach's, Ross Dellinger's, basically, if you don't follow college football, they're like Adam Schefter or – you know, the Adrian Wojnarowski guy, the NBA. Yeah. Same type of people just in college saying that they know of at least three more bowl eligible teams. Now this year it's different because every team has been deemed eligible no matter of their wins, but teams that currently have six or more wins that would be eligible in a normal year are going to opt out of their bowl game. They just haven't announced it yet. And obviously they're not going to announce it until the teams announce it. Cause this is from inside sources and sometimes it could be wrong. Who knows? But Technically, LSU was the first to fall on the sword of opting out of a bowl. Not that they were going to make a bowl game this year, just because you're going to go down the list of the teams that would qualify for six wins, and then you'd get to everybody else. Plus, we've already knocked off close to 15 bowl games this season from bowl games taking place in different spots of the country that will not be having them because of the COVID protocols. They don't want teams flying in such and such. The reason Boston College canceled and it was basically a player decision was because there is no bowl festivities this year. There is no going to the Bahamas Bowl and you're in the Bahamas for a week and you can fly your family down because that's usually one of the first games of the first weekend of bowl season. You bring your family home. can fly down there and you're there for a week enjoying the festivities and everything is about you, that whole little area around the stadium, no matter where it is. It could be the Music City Bowl in Nashville. It could be the Outback Bowl. It could be the Cheez-It Bowl. It doesn't matter. The whole pep squad comes along with the team. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a fun, you know, atmosphere for college students. Their families can go. It's around the holidays. This year, there is none of that. They're literally going to be on campus practicing for a game, depending on where it is around Christmas, because that's when all the bowls are taking place. And then they're going to fly to the bowl, play the game, and then they're going to go home. So, so that's why we're seeing people are going to opt out so that, that these kids that have sacrificed – a lot. If you don't want to believe that, don't. But they have, as 18 to 20-year-olds that are not living a normal college life right now, can finish finals and go home and spend time with their family. 
And that was Boston College's decision today. LSU is very different, but Let, let's let's speak about that really quick, and we can get Ellis to chime in since Ellis was more than likely sleeping when we uh, <laughs> when we had this conversation in the Matt and yeah. Dennis pre-show meeting late last night. Uh, so LSU, as Dennis kind of briefly mentioned and I mentioned at the beginning of the show, as of yesterday, announces that they are um, going to be doing a self-imposed bowl game ban for a year. Um, so I believe that includes next season as well. I don't think that – I think that starts – Yeah. gets enacted after this bowl, this coming bowl season, quote-unquote. Um, so I kind of brought up a – and I admitted uh, when I said this, I, I said this was kind of a hot take that – and I wasn't the only one that noticed this. There were other people kind of bringing this up in, in the Twitterverse and social media – but my kind of hot my hot take was LSU, whether they have three wins or ten wins or in the college football playoff, or they are not, LSU is still a major program that everyone thinks of around the clock. Like LSU Alabama last week was obviously still a big game, even though Alabama absolutely stomped them in, in Death Valley. But I made the argument, and I kind of made this about Duke basketball and Coach K as well, but we could get into that at another time. Um, or we can get into it now. I don't care. But I said, isn't it convenient that LSU decides to self-impose this bowl ban when there's a very good chance that they will not, we obviously know they're not making a bowl this year or the college football playoff, which is their main goal, obviously. Chances are they won't make the college football playoff next year either. Um, so I said, how convenient of them to self-impose this ban? Dennis's response, and Dennis, I'll let you get into this, and Ellis can give his thoughts too. So correct me if I'm wrong. Dennis comes back and says, "Well, one, this was decided by NCAA. Two, this was decided back in October, and it was enacted now." And we had to do our research. Dennis and I both kind of went on, and I said, "I said no. This investigation kind of hit the heart of it in October." when after going through the different levels of penalties that college collegiate athletic programs can face, the first one typically is uh, either scholarships, the amount of scholarships you can give out is revoked or scholarship money is revoked one way or another. There are other levels of penalties that rise to the level of like getting wins taken away or getting championships removed or, or getting bowl game bans, so on and so forth which it said, um, and I quoted, I think it was Sports Illustrated. There was another one. I don't know if it was ESPN or what the other one was, maybe CBS Sports, I think, um, that said they hadn't gotten to that point yet. Those are obviously considerations when athletic protocols are broken, et cetera, et cetera, and it hadn't gotten to that point yet. So fast forward to uh, Wednesday of this week, um, a day or so before recording uh, this show, that LSU comes out and announces this bowl game ban. NCAA did not initiate this bowl game ban. This was LSU. And like you said, Dennis, I think you're right, trying to save face. But also, I think if they did not do this bowl game ban yesterday or announce that this is going to be enacted for the coming year, would there have been a bowl game ban? There's a very good likelihood, whether it was yesterday or not. But I think <laughs> the timing of LSU doing this, knowing what was probably going to come down the road, I think timing was everything for them. And I said, uh, to me, it's kind of a cop-out. Hot take on Matt Scarano's behalf, I understand that. But 
I think that was a bit of a cop out. I don't think anyone at, in LSU athletics or in Edo's inner circle is like, wow, that's literally going to ruin us because I think they're going to be fine. They're still going to be able to do their recruiting. Their scholarships will take a hit, but I think when it comes down to brass tacks, LSU will be back in the playoffs sooner rather than later. I don't think it was going to be next year. And I think that's why they were like, let's get ahead of this. Let's do this now. Are you asking Ellis or did you want me to go first? No, I was just kind of finishing my thoughts and waiting for you to, to rebuttal. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't disagree with you uh, completely. I, they're self-imposing this. Yes. To save face, to get it over with because they announced it in October. Look, the stuff with the father. Well, what? But they did. No, it was announced that they sent what they thought was fair to the NCAA. Correct. And then they, however, in the past month and a half or so, almost two months, back and forth talks with the NCAA, and now they're just going to self-impose this. We're going to take our full hit. We're going to lose eight scholarships for the next two years each, like eight scholarships a year for the next two years. What are you uh, laughing at? Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> it'll be good. It, it, it'll be worth the wait. I'll, I'll, I'll what are you, multitasking over there? I'm watching TV. Gonna give wow. us a synopsis of the show later on in that and Dennis tonight. I think people actually listen to this and we can't even get one of our guests to pay attention to the full show. I'm paying attention. While oh, I'm the show. Else, do you know how many people are lined up right now to get Matt and Dennis? One. Seven and a half. <laughs> There's one. There are people that would kill to be in your position. Sorry, Dennis. Continue. Um I'm just reading something that came across. Are you even paying attention, Dennis? <laughs> well, I mean, we were going to bring this up, but apparently the Duke basketball program has announced that they're not going to play. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. They're not going to play any non-conference opponents this season. For the how rest of the more, season. How many more did they have left? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure probably two or three. Is that what you were laughing at? Well, on the bottom of the funny? screen, on the bottom of the screen, it, screen it came up, it said, Alabama coach called out Jashevsky and it said, "Yeah, would he would, he would he be saying that if you know if you know if he didn't already have two losses?" <laughs> Saban right, said that. Yeah, no, no, no Alabama basketball. basketball coach. Oh, Nate Oates. Basketball. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Here, Dennis, Dennis, finish up your LSU uh, comment. Then let's get to Ellis's uh, uh, thoughts on LSU, and then we. Can I, go I don't really, I don't really have a comment. Everything you said was right. I disagree a little bit. We're saying that they're doing it to because they don't believe they have any shot next year. So let's just take the slap on the wrist and move forward. I think that this was hopefully the lightest of penalty that they could take. The eight scholarships a year is massive to any division one program, especially someone in the sec that has to compete with the schools that they're competing with. That's huge, but the bowl, I guess, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. I would imagine that they would get right back on top, especially with the young guys that are coming in. The recruiting that Ed Orgeron can do the big deal. People are forgetting that this team lost 20 plus starters from a year ago due to the NFL draft. That's going to happen when you go 15 and 0. you're gonna have a lot of guys that are going to get drafted because clearly you're a good football team. And then of course, when your best players on defense and offense are going to opt out and just go to the NFL draft because they don't for next year, like the players that were still here, the juniors for this year. Uh, so that's a big deal, but I, you know, is awesome. what it is. Look, LSU, they're in a lot of hot water anyway. Their basketball program is still being investigated. Will Wade and all that—that's still happening. So, 
as this someone, is the football team just saying, we'll take the punishments. Yes, our former receiver and nut job shouldn't have been handing out $100 bills to our championship winning team. But what did you want us to do? We were trying to celebrate a 15 and 0 season is what it is. I guess we'll take the penalty for that. He can no longer come to our facilities. That includes beds in the and massage chairs in the locker rooms. Mm. It does. It's actually, they're actually very nice. It's kind of, it's kind of insane. Yeah. yeah. I, I digress. I know I've, I've, I've been to the LSU campus, so um, I knew about all of this. Uh, oh, you got the uh, full preferential treatment? Yeah, I actually broke the story. Uh, Ellis, um, <laughs> do you have any, any thoughts on, on LSU? No, I mean, I, I'm sure they thought something was coming and they see the writing on the wall with where their team is. So they, you know, they kind of figured that now is a safe time to do it and because they're probably not going to be as competitive as they thought next year. So it's, it's, it's a good time for them to do something like this and, you know, save face and hopefully two years they figure they won't have any bands and they'll be back on track. All right. Well, uh, speaking of, and, and Ellis just, uh, Ellis and Dennis brought this up. Breaking news in the Matt and Dennis studios, Duke basketball announces they will be not doing any more out of conference games, which, you know, makes their schedule so much easier considering their two remaining out of conference games that I can see are Charleston Southern and Gardner Webb. So <laughs> they really are getting the girth out of that schedule, aren't they? Uh, so since Ellis brought it up and we'll go around the table on this one too. Another one of my hot takes, speaking of copping out, uh, I think this is a cop out from Coach K. And I, I will say this. I, I think he has seen the way his team has started, and I don't think this is going to be reflective of the Duke basketball season if and when it comes to an end this year. But as a top 10 team that has had a really tough start against any team of any sort of uh, strength so far this year, which is unlike the Duke Blue Devils when they start off. Um, and, and just as a, as a four, uh, just to, to kick off this argument, I don't disagree that college athletics, I've said this about football, say it now about basketball. In terms of COVID protocols, I think all college athletics right now are a hot mess. Selfish me does not want them to get canceled because that's my, that's my entertainment on the weekends, especially when, when we're like when bars, restaurants, and, and most things are shut down or they aren't safe to go to. That's kind of my entertainment to sit around and, and watch, watch sports. So selfish me wants them to go on but I can understand the argument as to why they shouldn't go on. And sometimes I, I agree with that argument. Coach K here uh, coming out and saying that, you know, I don't think we should be playing anymore. I, I think this is bad. We should probably pause on this. And am I a little cynical? Maybe. I'm not a huge fan of Duke athletics, but I question would Coach K be saying the same thing the same way Nate Oates from Alabama. Is that his name, Nate Oates? Yeah, Nate Oates of Alabama is kind of calling him out saying, would he be saying that if Duke was undefeated right now and beat all the ranked opponents they've played so far? Gentlemen, your thoughts. I mean, at, at the beginning of the season, he, he, Coach K did kind of express his concerns for the season in general and – if they would make it and if the protocols were going to be safe, all that good stuff. So it's not like it's the first time he has said it, but since he said it, you know, I don't know, a month, two months ago, he, he's been pretty quiet about it. And the other night at home, 
Big Ten ACC Challenge, and they just get destroyed by Illinois on their home court. And it, it wasn't even a competitive game. It was like a 15-point loss. And I'm kind of torn where I feel about it because, I mean, as a Maryland fan, there's no team I hate greater than Duke. But at the same time, you, you, you respect a team like that and you, you respect the heck out of a coach like that. And given his comments earlier in the season about it, even though it, it seems like a fishy time, I, I do think that when it comes down to it, Coach K does really feel the concerns of the game despite, you know, his team's poor start. Maybe that sparked him saying it again. Um, and then, you know, this thing where they're, they're not going to play their two remaining out-of-conference teams seems a little silly because, I mean, it, it makes more sense to play College of Charleston, which is probably not far, versus flying to Syracuse, which is who knows how far away from, you know, Duke. So, I mean, again, the time does seem a little fishy, but I think deep down it's it's how he feels regardless of how his team is performing. And you actually make a really good point in terms of them canceling the remaining uh, non-conference games because both of those teams – Charleston Southern and Gardner Webb. Yeah, they're close. Both are in the Carolinas. Yeah. Gardner Webb is in North Carolina, Charleston yeah. Southern in South Carolina. Dennis. Yeah, I I understand you could look at this as a coach that has two losses already on the season, one embarrassingly bad loss, like Ellis mentioned, but I just believe that it has nothing to do with that and Jay Billis was on a broadcast and said was talking about this the night so it would have been last night and coach K made the comments the night before so coach K made the comments Tuesday night Billis was on a broadcast last night and said we need to we need to look at how we are navigating our way through this season because he believes we're treating these athletes as essential workers we're treating these 18 to 21 year old kids who are not being paid as essential workers, the governments around this country are asking us not to travel around the holidays, not to have your normal Christmases, Hanukkahs, whatever it is with all of your families, 10 or more people. I don't know what every restriction is in every state, but it's okay for these basketball teams to travel all around the country. I mean, look at Illinois is coming from Chicago, traveling halfway across the country to play Cameron Indoor. If they weren't weren't a college basketball team, they were supposed to stay in North Carolina for two weeks and then go back and then probably couldn't play again for two weeks. If we're going to treat them like we're going to treat the rest of us, normal people, how we are doing this, how we are getting through this pandemic. So that was his thoughts. And I think that's what Coach K is trying to get across. He feels that mentally it's hurting these young people for, and I don't know necessarily agree totally with this saying that they're not going to be home for the holidays because a lot of times there is college basketball, you know, around Christmas. They do shut down for a couple of days. The NBA usually owns a kind of, you know, that Christmas Eve. There's no like college basketball for like that three days. So they're able to travel, go home, come back pick up some play you know by new year's but for them to 
they're not going to be able to go home. You're going to be constantly playing basketball. You're traveling the country in a manner that has been deemed unsafe for the rest of the country. Coach K just wants answers. I mean, he literally said, we're going to start college basketball on November 25th, which they did. Why is November 25th safer than November 10th? Why is it safer than December 1st? He preached that he believed the season should have started after the first of the year. We should have went league-wide, not conference-by-conference protocols. It should have been one unified decision because come March, it's going to be one unified sport where we're going to bubble March Madness and have all of these teams together. So you can't then have all of these different protocols, conference-by-conference, and adapting to or adopting the state protocols for the hundreds of college basketball teams. And then we're all going to bring them together into one state and play under one dome. That was his whole thinking. And I agree with that. I understand wanting to push through as an advocate of college football and what they have done. Look, there's only like, I think it was announced today or yesterday. There's six or nine. I forget what the number is. College football teams that have played this fall that will not have a game canceled. That's baffling considering when the Pac-12 kicked off, all 130 FBS teams, well, not all, Old Dominion didn't play, and North Dakota State only played like three games, but that was like in October. Outside of that, 120, 125 to 128 or so FBS teams, all planned on a full schedule, make or break, you know, Pac-12, seven games, Big Ten, eight games, some were less obviously by starting later. But they all planned a schedule to come back and play. And only six or nine, I forget what the number is, will actually finish a season to completion for the way their conference designed it. That's unbelievable when you think about how many teams played football, how many teams lost football games. So I understand wanting to push through getting this season off. I think what, like, the, I'm not going to say the NCAA because they have to, had nothing to do with any of this. What college football has done to get to this point, to adapt, to change, the athletic directors, the presidents, the chancellors, people that have been making these decisions. I think they're doing the best that they can with the information that they have with what they have to control sports and an ent entire universities. They're doing the best that they can. We have college football to be fair. We're arguing about should Ohio state, when we'll get back to this probably should Ohio state be in the college football playoff. There's a lot of people that thought in September, we wouldn't have this conversation, but we are having it. So there's a little bit of normalcy in that regard. So I understand where Coach K is coming from, but I disagree with him saying, let's shut things down. I, I think you have to try and push through because it, what, what makes it better if, where's the evidence? Yes, the vaccines are coming, but where's the evidence that starting after the first of the year would have been better? Right now there is none. Mm -hmm. So you take what you're given and you go from there. I know college basketball has been a mess so far, but a few, I have a few responses to some of the things you're saying about like Coach K and, and he's like not getting answers and all of that. I, I think one that I would say is I think Coach K has more pull than than he's kind of like leading on to believe when he's in this press Possible. conference. I don't have answers. I don't. They just tell us what to do, and I, I don't, I'm like, you're telling me that literally one of, if not the most, the the at least in our generation, most famous college basketball coach can't say like my team doesn't feel safe let's move this to this location well, and to that point maybe we're seeing that come to fruition here with canceling two non-conference games right he makes these comments and now a day later and the non-conference schedule is canceled 
albeit only two games. And but I, I think, I think the, I think the real test for that would to be if he made those remarks, and Duke decided to do that, and their out of conference games were not Gardner Webb and Charleston Southern. It would have been interesting to see if they had road games or if it was part of these kind of tournaments or things. Duke got to play at home for a tournament that was supposed to be in Indianapolis where granted the two other teams were probably closer to Indianapolis than Duke was, but they still had to go play at a neutral site in Indianapolis, whereas Duke got to play at home. So Coach K has some pull there. So I don't buy in the kind of this, well, we don't know. We don't know. And when he's really, he's not the only coach in, in any collegiate sport that's coming out and saying things of this nature, but he's the one that's kind of making these headlines. And I'm not buying in as much that, that, that Coach K and, and his Duke Blue Devils are this victim that have been wronged by collegiate athletics forcing the players to do these things. You made a very good point where he's saying this is, this is already mentally exhausting for the athletes and now they, they can't be home at the holidays. They're not home at the holidays. I mean, maybe not Duke, but there's plenty of programs in football and basketball mainly that are not with their family at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, at New Year's. Because they're literally playing on Christmas Eve. Again, obviously, not many people, no one in this room cares about the Temple Owls. But in a non-pandemic year, Temple was supposed to be in Hawaii. Which, granted, worst places you could be. But they were supposed to be in Hawaii for Christmas. I was going to try to go to that. Obviously, Clearly, that's not panning out. But so, so I don't buy into that either. I mean, they, they took this on. And programs like Duke, or trust me, they're going to have a lot of Christmases that they're doing quite well at in the future when they graduate playing at that holidays. Trust me, I feel for them, but that's nothing new in, in collegiate athletics. What I would also say is when, when we're talking about, well, they have to travel here and there. Syracuse has to like Ellis mentioned, Syracuse has to come down and play at Duke just in the last two or three weeks alone. And I'll use a college and or college basketball and college football example big programs and small programs. BYU flew out to South Carolina to play Coastal Carolina. It's a ranked game. It's important. But BYU would not be playing Coastal Carolina if there wasn't a pandemic going on. And because there's a pandemic going on, that was enough reason for BYU to fly from Utah to South Carolina to play a three-hour college football game. Florida A&M got asked by Oregon to go up to Oregon <laughs> during a pandemic Florida A&M versus Oregon. I can promise you, no one at either of those schools cares about the other. And it's okay to do that. So it's I, I, it's tough for me to well, really... What Coach K is saying is that it's not okay to do that. And I but understand because that. this is just college athletics and this is what we have to do, right. we're going to let you do it. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything in that regard to what he's saying. I agree with him. That I want to come and see you, give you a nice kiss on the cheek. I can't do it. I mean, you can. I'm not going to. can. I just got to stay over for a couple extra days. But, but I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with him that, it, that it's unsafe. I'm just saying I'm not buying into him saying we're being forced to do this and no one's giving us answers. And, and I, don't, I don't buy into that the way he is, he is making it sound, especially when he seems to be the only or at least the loudest voice um, that has been saying it. And the only other thing I would say is uh, when you talk about like the conferences and like they're all, there's no unification 
whatsoever. There, there has never been college athletics conferences, the most unified conference in any sport, any collegiate sport during this pandemic has been the Ivy league out of like all of them. They're the only ones that said at the same time, they shut it down basketball, football ahead of time. They read the writing on the wall. They said, we're not doing this. It's not worth it. This isn't going to go anywhere. We're not going to have Yale play a full season where Princeton plays two games. Like, we're just not, we're not going to do it. Obviously they don't have as much at stake as the big 10 in basketball or the sec in football. We all understand that, but college athletics, they aren't going to be unified. They haven't been unified. And you're right. The only thing that they will be unified is assuming we get to the tournament and the entire thing happens in Indianapolis. That's the only time it's going to be unified because it's money. It's who's playing these games. It's the entertainment factor. It's the money it brings in when it comes down to it, they could care less that the bottom half of, of or that some entire conferences play or not, and that the bottom half of the stronger conferences play or not. It's never been unified. It never will. Ellis, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I think we covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'll say is you're right. If there's one good thing that is going to come out of all of this and playing in a year in the pandemic, it has shown college athletics true colors. It is all about the almighty dollar. That is all they care about. And I mean, it's, that's been evident, but it's never been fully written on the wall for everybody in the world to see. It is clear as day now that that is the only thing that matters. Look at what the Big Ten is doing right now, pushing Ohio State in. If Ohio State had one loss, if Ohio State was ranked eight, the Big Ten wouldn't be doing this because they wouldn't be in the conversation. But because they're a top four team, if Notre Dame and Clemson were not two and three respectively, they would not have canceled a Wake Forest game and a Florida State game for both of those squads. They would be playing those games, and then they would play an ACC title game. Look, people are complaining. We can move on to this and get into the Ohio State thing, but where's Miami fit into this? Miami's eight and one, nine and one, whatever they are. They're the 10th or 11th team in the country. Their only loss is a blowout loss to Clemson. We play games to find out who wins and loses. Notre Dame is not expected to lose to Wake. Clemson is not expected to lose to uh, Florida State. Well, Ohio State two years ago was not expected to get steamrolled by Purdue. Two years before that, unranked Purdue. Two years before that, they were not expected to get beaten by an unranked Iowa. It's why we play the games. It's what those games knocked Ohio State out of the playoff conversation in those years. Who's to say that Notre Dame travels into, into North Carolina, plays Wake, and gets beaten? Their season's done. They're going to be in the conversation because they have the win over Clemson. Maybe they reach the ACC title game. But if Clemson loses to Florida State, now they have two losses. They're out. Miami's in the ACC title game. Why isn't Miami making a stink about all this? So th this is just the year that we're in. They're benefiting the teams that give you the greatest chance to get the almighty dollar. And that is making the college football playoff. That's where you're going to make your nut. So you're going to protect the teams. Yeah, I still have a little smirk. You're going to protect the teams that can get there. Yep. No, that's you're right. It's it's become blatantly obvious. And may, maybe we'll see change when the NCAA and everybody votes on the name, image, likeness bill that is supposed to be taking place in the middle of January. We'll see, because slowly but surely, I think you will see the Power Five leagues at least break away from the NCAA because it is clear you need some sort of unification and not just conference by conference. 
because mm -hmm. each conference is going to do what they believe is best for them. The Big Ten believed we should shut down football. Well, the Pac-12 was going to follow suit. The Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC said, suck it, dude. We're going to power through. Kevin Warren, you misread the room. We're not following you. We're going to, we're going to power through. And by the middle of September, those three teams were playing. And now they have no issue. They have had a lot of games canceled across both all three of those conferences. But they have no issue, and no one is making a gripe about their teams making the college football playoff. The Big 12 a little bit because they have a bunch of teams with two losses. They're out. But, you know, doesn't matter. Just to reiterate what you said, when these, con these conferences aren't – when you say these conferences are looking out for themselves, just to – I think this is what you meant. And just to specify for our listeners – they're looking out for the conference entity itself, not for the teams in the conference. Oh, they no, yeah. They're, they're looking for the entity, the name of the conference itself, how yes. that entity makes the money. Yes. If Ohio State's a brand name, it's a little bit easier. Look, I mean, Indiana might have a better case for a Big 12 title, but because – Ohio State's going to be 5-0. and They're not going to reach six games. Indiana, because of the loss, doesn't really have a say in getting into the college football playoff. But the playoff committee, from what they've seen through five games for Ohio State, deems them good enough at the moment to be the four seed. Therefore, what difference does a sixth game make unless they were to lose? Of course, that's why we play the games. So let's take that factor out. They're not going to lose. We're going to push them to the Big Ten title game. They're probably going to steamroll Northwestern because let's be honest, I already went through this. Their offense isn't good enough. And the Big Ten banner will be flying at either the Rose Bowl or the, I think it's the Sugar Bowl. I think it's the Sugar Bowl. I think it's, it's definitely the Rose Bowl. I don't know what the other one is. I'm pretty sure it's the Sugar Bowl in the college football playoff. And that is millions of dollars. That's all I got to say about that. Well, well, if you have nothing else to add on that topic, uh, just a couple uh, things, just a couple headlines to fill in. Uh, NBA preseason uh, starts this week. Uh, very excited. Matt, are you in the NBA fantasy draft? He is. I am. Yeah. When is that? December, uh, the Monday before Christmas. Right, Ooh, I'll be home. I was like, don't tell me that's tonight. No. Dennis, we could, we could all we could hang out and, uh, and be socially distant while we're drafting. Six feet apart. Um, and also, uh, because one of our uh, favorite listeners wanted a, a shout out on this, and I didn't give it on the last episode, Nick Burns, who apparently likes the Columbus Crew, uh, <laughs> will be playing in the MLS. No, 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 no. we're not doing this. We are doing this. No, we're not shouting out someone who picks a random number out of a generator and then goes down the list of whatever number he assigns this team. And he gets to be that team. He did, it with, the Winnipeg, he did it with the Winnipeg Jets. He got like 29 when they sucked. And now one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Dennis, I'm, not, I'm not handling this. He may very well be the only person uh, that's listened to every single one of our episodes. So I'm going to do it anyways. Nick Burns, uh, Columbus crew that he random pick, randomly picked out of a hat. Take on the Seattle Sounders. Seattle with a chance to repeat his MLS Cup champions this Saturday at 8. Very exciting. Okay, let's that's move the on. final. Yeah, that's a championship game right there. Eight o'clock Saturday night, prime time. It, that I will give him this. It's probably the best name in MLS. The Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew. Yeah. No, I mean their colors are pretty ugly. Um anyway. Their flagship station, Matt and Dennis. <laughs> Your home for Columbus Crew soccer recaps. 
Okay. Anywho, uh, we move on to <clears throat> still two weeks later. Or no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Two, two weeks. Two weeks now. Your first place, New York football giants. Although in a tie, they have the tiebreakers. They remain the first place in New York football giants for two straight weeks, which is shocking. Uh, before we get into this coming week and the current state of the giants and the NFC East, Ellis, uh, you missed the, the, you weren't on the show last week. Um, so we want, wanted to give you a, a chance to uh, give any input on the giants beating Seattle, obviously with backup uh, Colt McCoy, a win that I don't think anyone on the show tonight, uh, I know at least me and Dennis did not um, have this. We thought, we both thought that if Daniel Jones was in, we'd have a better shot. And, you know, if we did or played our game, anything could happen. But neither of us really thought that the Giants uh, would would come out with that one. That was a shock. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, going in, knowing Jones wasn't playing, um, don't think really any, at least in our friend group, anyone really had any kind of confidence and I, especially against an offense with that kind of capability with Wilson and Metcalf and some of the running backs starting to get healthy. Um, I didn't even know if we'd even score a touchdown going into that game without Jones. And, you know, I, I think the defense really showed their true colors in that game and really have kind of set themselves as, one of the league's best defenses so far. Again, kind of what Dennis has been saying. Look who we've played. You know, the wins that we've had aside from Seattle have been, you know, mediocre. But still, you know, they're out there. They're playing. And, you know, they proved against Seattle that this defense is for real. And when you put that together with how well Gallman has been playing, Morris and – uh, I mean, maybe even most shocking how well the offensive line has been playing the last few weeks. I mean, that that's pretty unexpected. And if they can keep that going, especially with Jones, who looks like he is going to play this week. I mean, I think Arizona is going to be a mate. And personally, I think they're going to be a little tougher than Seattle. Um, I, I think Murray can do a little more than Wilson with his legs. And I think they just have, you know, a few more quick weapons. But I don't know. I think if the defense plays like last week, I think we can be in the game. Um, I still think it's going to be tough, but um, I'm feeling good. And and to go off your point about the offensive line, I would also add a young offensive line, which is probably more exciting than anything to me right now. Um so, yeah, as Elle said, Giants beat Seattle in a game that none of us thought would happen. And just before we go more in-depth on the preview of the Arizona game, um, the night after uh, we recorded a show uh, with the Giants being in first, thinking very confidently that the Giants would have a one-game lead in the NFC East on the Washington football team because everyone and their mother thought that Washington would lose pretty handedly at the hands of the undefeated uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. That did not happen. So uh, the one game that we really could have used uh, Pittsburgh to win, they of course, that's when their undefeated streak comes to an end. And this shows a, a, a few things to me, and I'll let you guys chime in here. Um, but it, it shows me, one, if the Giants are going to make the playoffs, which I think at, at 
based on what I've seen, I think they're perfectly capable of doing. The, the pressure is going to be on them. They control their own destiny, and it, it's a game-by-game game thing to me. Like, take it a game at a time, win your games, and, and you'll make the playoffs. That's one thing. Two, the Washington football team, I think, like the Giants, has really come into their own, and they're starting to click. They had a terrible start like the Giants did and are starting to look like a decent team. And like I've said, whether it's Washington, whether it's the Giants, and, and hold on to your horses, what would be the most 2020 thing but to have two teams from the NFC East make the playoffs, which is becoming a stronger possibility uh, by the week, which is an insane thought in itself. But Washington's a, a good team, as, as we've said. Washington, I think the Giants can, can – easily hold on to first place but as dennis has said washington probably has easily yeah but as what hold on as dennis has said washington probably has an easier path and easier teams in their schedule um so dennis so do you want to take back that word easily after what you just said no because i think the giants can can win the majority of their games that they have left and they have the tiebreaker but i think washington has an easier schedule Giants are in the driver's seat right now. Washington isn't. So you're, yeah, go for it. But they're sitting in the back seat, seatbelts off. They are grabbing the headrest of the driver's seat, <clears throat> whispering into the ear of the driver. That's how close they are. And they're going to fly out the windshield. <laughs> look, I, look, what the hell, Pittsburgh? Honestly, to a team without a name, to a team without a name. Look, Matt, I'll, I'll give props to Washington. Their defense has kind of been there all year. There are some young pieces on the defense. The defensive line, I think, is one of – they're playing like a, the defensive line that I thought maybe they had the, the uh, potential to be because Chase Young is obviously a stud. Uh, Jonathan Allen, Alabama, known. Ryan Kerrigan, known they have enough of a defensive presence where they can rush the quarterback and make a difference in the football game. Their offense is starting to click and it's the power of Alex Smith. We've seen this for how many years, depending no matter what team he's on the Kansas city chiefs were a playoff team with Alex Smith. They had the same weapons. Patrick Mahomes just blew the top off of the ginormous cookie jar that they had already had. I don't know if that analogy works, but I, you know, it might, it's fun to say, don't shake your head at me like that. Uh, I just, I, you say easily, I I don't see it. Look, I was so optimistic when we recorded this show on Monday night, just assuming that that night we would see a Washington loss. And I wasn't even watching the game. I didn't care. I didn't need to. And you were saying trap game and I could totally see trap game. It's going to be overlooked. They have division opponents coming down the stretch. Washington is coming off a huge win over the Cowboys their offense looked dynamite defense creating turnovers but again that's the cowboys so how much do you make of it but they've looked better they're kind of looking like the giants are where the offense is somewhat coming into their own the defense is getting better week by week and i'm sorry but i look at this schedule and now i got a little nervousness in my belly oh for sure i don't feel right i don't feel right this isn't good i mean outside of the cowboys look the Seattle win was massive because I said six wins wins the division. 
Giants only need one more win then. But for Washington to win that game, to be right there, right behind the Giants, luckily the tiebreaker is there. Thank goodness. But with it, they still play the 49ers, who let's hope maybe, maybe the 49ers find something. They find some rhythm. They're able to run the ball. But I don't see it. And I think the best hope is Carolina. Maybe getting into a shootout. It looks like Christian McCaffrey is going to come back. That's something that they have to really game plan for. So that I will, and I will say this: I I didn't say the Giants are easily going to win the division. I said they can easily win the you division. Said they can easily win the division. Yes, and I stand by that. I look at it like this: I, Giants play Arizona this week. Arizona's a six and six team. Arizona, and I'll eat the crow on this one. I was really high and mighty on Arizona for a while. I mean, they've fallen off a they, tremendous cliff. Literally fallen off the face of the earth. Uh, they are not as good. Seattle, like the Giants, shut them down. But Seattle also did not play well. Seattle, and that's where I agree with you, where I have optimism for beating the Cardinals. Because if we can do it to Seattle, yes. they can absolutely do it to Arizona. So Seattle is a better team than Arizona, like you just said. If the Giants can do what they did to Seattle, if Daniel Jones is healthy, we can beat Arizona. If Daniel Jones is not healthy, then this obviously changes everything. But – I think the Giants have a very good shot at beating the Arizona at home. Washington goes on the road at 49ers. I don't really base my predictions on any of this ever, but Washington is a bigger underdog against the 49ers and the Giants are against Arizona. Granted, neither of them are big underdogs, but they well, are. The Giants are only – they're a one-and-a-half point. Giants are two-point Cardinals are one-and-a-half point. Two-and-a-half? Uh, Washington is three-point no. underdogs. One-and-a-half this morning. The, the following week, a game that we all think is probably the toughest remaining right now for the Giants is uh, against Cleveland. Washington's home against a Seattle team that you figure can wake up against the Jets and continue rolling against Washington. And the two games remaining for Giants, this is Giants-Baltimore. This is where it gets a little dicey and where I think Washington, if they're going to make a move, this is where they make a move. Washington would have to beat the Panthers with Christian uh, McCaffrey coming back. Giants, if they lost to, say, the Giants lose to, to Baltimore or Cleveland and Baltimore, then that last game of the year, Giants play Dallas, which better be a win. Like, that could be a locked-in win for us, you would think. But and Yeah, Washington, and then a toss-up against Philly. Could go either Washington way. goes on the road to Philly, which – who knows if Who knows Jay what the Hurts Jalen Hurts experience and Wentz like. is in, if Jalen Hurts kills it, if Jalen Hurts is a dud and nothing comes of this, I don't know. But with the Giants having that tiebreaker, and I think the Giants are a better team than Washington, I think that is the Giants division to lose. I agree with that statement. I don't agree with the can easily win. I do agree that it is the Giants division to lose. And I think when I say can easily win, and I guess I find myself kind of having to clarify these, I think when I say they can easily win. You take the statement back. It's okay. No, I'm not going to take it back. When we get to the end of the season and we look back at it, I don't think Washington is going to win as many games as we think they are. I don't think they're going to have as easy of a time with their schedule as you think they will. Go ahead, Alice. Alice, yeah. This is tough. It's, it's 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 really tough, and which is a good thing. This is a it good is. Thing. It is. I mean, I didn't need that, the stress in my life. That that Washington Steeler game with the Steelers missing Connor and Pouncey was 
the total killer in the in that game, I think. And no one expected Washington to win that game, at least in our friend group. And if we had come out of that week and the Giants had five wins and Washington lost to the Steelers, I would feel so much better right now. But the fact that Washington won that game, and I know we have the tiebreaker, but we have the same amount of wins with what we have left with a Cleveland team that's starting to operate in all cylinders with a Raven team that, you know, they started slow. Jackson missed a game or two and he came back last week and he looked pretty good and their defense looked a little better. And I think beating either Cleveland or Baltimore is going to be extremely tough. I think, out of our next three games, I, I, I think Arizona is our best chance for a win in the next three weeks. And we can't ever count Dallas out against the Giants, no matter how bad the Cowboys are. I mean, Elliott has looked awful almost all season. The Cowboy, the Cowboy offensive line looks like a totally different line. and But, you know, they play the Giants and – you know, something happens when you play a rival and, you know, they could wake up and, you know, they could destroy us for all we know. But with, with the remaining schedules, I, I'd i like to say that the Giants are still going to win this division. And I think Washington is going to falter somewhere and – I, I think they only get one more win on the season. And I think we get one, maybe two, probably not two. But if we, we both get one more in the season, we have the tiebreaker. And I think that's maybe how we get in. Uh, Dennis, do you think the Giants won the division where we stand right now? You could say no. No, no I don't. Nah, no, nah, I don't. <laughs> Robin. You don't think the Giants are going to win? I just – I see – it's so tough. It's like Elsa. It's tough because the what is amazing is the scariest team left on our schedule right now is the Cleveland Browns. And they have looked so wishy-washy at times this season. I don't know how much I buy into them. The thing I think is – look, I don't know what to make of Arizona. I agree. I think we can beat Arizona. I really do. I, I believe in the defense to dial up a game plan to at least slow them down. And hopefully, if Daniel Jones is playing, the offense can move the ball. Look, maybe even just running the ball, keeping Arizona off the field. Maybe that's the key. That's, I think, could be their whole game plan. Keep Kyler Murray on the bench. That's how you're going to beat this team, because I, I just think he'll find a way to exploit the giant defense, no matter what they dial up. He's too talented from whether they're going to throw the ball down the field dial up some option reads. I, I think we can slow down the run game, but can we slow down his run game? I don't know. And I'm, I'm worried. I'm good. No, I was going to say, and I'm, I'm assuming we would all be in agreement that if Daniel Jones does not play, because while the giants and Joe judge seem to be confident and optimistic right now that he will, he played today. He was getting first snaps. There is still the possibility that the Giants see something tomorrow and they're like it's not worth it sit him but I know Daniel Jones is going to say play me I know the Giants know what's at stake 
from what I've seen and what I've heard from Giants beat writers and from what I've seen in video that's come out of their practices, he looks good. So while I don't want to say if he's not 100%, don't risk it. He's the future of our team. I'm also like, if he is 80 to 90% and this is where we stand in the playoff race, like, get in there, Daniel. Yeah, and I, I just think he has to be there because it gives the Giants a better opportunity to spread out the offense and move the ball downfield. I don't think they can do that as successfully with Colt McCoy. It makes the Giants more one-dimensional with Colt McCoy. Look, Wayne Goldman looked great. Alfred Morris looked really good. But maybe up front for Arizona is a touch better than what Seattle has. So if the Giants are a little more one-dimensional, maybe they slow them down just a bit more. And again, it's going to be protecting the football. They can't turn the, the football over no matter who plays. That, I, think, I think that's going to be massive. You cannot give the Cardinals short field position, the Giants. This to me is a must-win game where they sit because next week, yes, Cleveland, maybe it's winnable. What Browns team shows up? But again, you're going to have to score to compete with them. But the Ravens really scare me. I think the Ravens are going to find a way and start clicking. I think we're going to see three AFC North teams in the playoffs in the AFC this year, but they're all going to be battling for that division. I, I mean, we'll see if the Steelers really take a backslide. They hold a two-game lead right now over Cleveland. They own a tiebreaker already beating them this year. I don't know if they played twice already, but they smoked them a couple weeks ago, so they have that at least. Uh, but I just think that they're clicking, and I, I think that they'll find a way. I think they probably have the, be the best defense that the Giants will see down the stretch. If the Giants can win this week, then lock it in. Lock in a division win. I like turtles. Um, all right. Uh, well, before uh, else, do you have anything to add about the game? And we'll, we'll get into picks, so we'll touch on it one more time before the show's over. And we have the, the fun Giants debate question. If we if we have time, uh, we might be running out on this show. But if we, I think I said what I needed to say. Cool. Um, all right. Well, here, before we get into our picks, uh, really quick, this is a, a fun factoid. Uh, Cowboys Niners uh, was supposed to be the night game on december 20th and poor jerry jones that game got flexed to none other than the new york giants cleveland browns so the giants will either embarrass themselves or get to be heroes on national television what a christmas present that would be um so I mean, come on two first place teams flexed in for two last place teams the only thing is i feel like that game would have been flexed by now if odell was healthy but um he's obviously out um, maybe it would have been flexed a week earlier who knows but the Giants Browns will play the Sunday night football game in the metal that's at, that's at home right I believe it is yeah I believe the only away game we have left is at Baltimore yeah uh, so Giants Browns and I'll double check that uh, as we get into our picks um, but Dennis I will give the floor to you for picks yeah for the, okay for those picks that we do at the end of our shows before upcoming football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ellis is the guest of honor and did ask me before the show, you get to pick one of the six games that we will be picking and pick them. But you're going to be picking two games because the Pats play on Thursday night, which will be kicking off in about an hour and a half. And I feel like we shouldn't pick it. Even though we could make the pick, it'll be set in stone before the game kicks off. This episode won't post till tomorrow morning, so it'll technically be Friday when you're listening to this. 
or Saturday or Sunday, Monday next week, Tuesday. Who knows? Podcasts live forever. Uh, so, yeah, pick another game. But uh, we'll start with an easy one, the winless Jets. We talked about their pathetic display. Could have helped me and Survivor. Bastards, man. You know what? I don't even want to just – I'm taking the Seahawks. Assuming you guys are on board. Yes, sir. I know we say get right game a lot on this show, but I mean, yep. this is if you had a get right game coming down the pike, if the Jets are on the bus, yeah. get right game. Yeah, I, I shockingly am going to agree and say that the Seahawks uh, should beat the Jets. Okay. Ellis, you said Adam. Seahawks. Jamal yes, asked you, Mark Schlereth, and uh, the comment, Fox commentator <laughs> have a field day with. They are going to love him on Sunday. Maybe look at that game again. I don't know how Fox rotates their NFL crews. Uh, next game, I selected another team that uh, disappointed me and was supposed to lose, but didn't. And they're talented at least enough offensively, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. But they facing a struggling Bucks team. So do we go Bucks? Do you think maybe Minnesota pull an upset? Matt, floor is yours. I'm still going with the Bucks here. Uh, these are these are two teams that have kind of like the Bucks like didn't look that great right out the stretch. Then they looked awesome. Now they're kind of slowing down again. Vikings look terrible. Now they're kind of come. They came into their own. Now they're kind of slowing down again. Uh, so in, in in that event, I got to go with the team that I know is better and the team that I would trust more in that type of situation, which is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm inclined to agree with Matt on this one. Uh, I think last week with Minnesota's scary almost loss to the Jags, that's a little uh, frightening. And I think, you know, a, a Tom Brady-led crew was going to beat this team that's gonna, that's been a little inconsistent all season. Okay. I agree. The only reason I agree is because Tampa Bay is coming off the bye. I do. I really want to pick Minnesota. I've been on the Purple People Eaters bandwagon all year. Love me some Dalvin Cook. It's the reason I got a first-round bye in my work league because clearly I can't manage two fantasy teams at the same time because I'm not in the playoffs in the league I really care about. Do you think knowing how you and I typically agree on these picks, do you think that you have enough time to catch up if you don't pick teams like the Vikings in these situations? We have more games to come. Yeah, and you're down by it's week 14. Four. Yeah. We have four total weeks left. And you and I agree on 90% of the games we pick. All right, first off, we've only picked two of six. So pipe down. Right. Okay. All right. Fair, fair point. Fair point. Next game, obviously the final game will be the giant game. We'll end with that. The final game I have here, the Monday night game, Ravens-Browns. Ellis, we'll start with you. This is tough. Um, Cleveland's looked real good. Um, the, even without Odell, they kind of seemed to put it all together. And last week they had a really nice win. But I think from what I saw from Jackson this past week and the rest of the team, I, I think the Ravens are going to be a little more prepared. And I think – they're going to kind of slow down Baker, and I think the Ravens are going to pull out the win here. I, I uh, oh, no, no, I'm no, going you, in an order here. Oh, yeah. yeah Jump the gun like that. Actually, right. I want you to go first. Yeah, well, now that I know what you're going to say, um, I agree with I agree with Ellis, and I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens too. And it's probably because of something Dennis said. So it's interesting knowing already that Dennis is going to disagree is – you can't trust the Cleveland Browns. They had a, a great game against the Tennessee Titans, but it's like as as bad as Baltimore has been. They're they're not bad. They're they're Baltimore Ravens standard bad. They are not fifteen and they're not going to finish the season fifteen and one 
And that's why by virtue of that, everyone thinks they're bad. And and I just don't think so. And they, they played a, a crappy Dallas team and Dallas gave them trouble for the first half. But that second half, we saw the best, in my opinion, of the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson looked good. Their, their run game looked insane. Their defense improved. They have, albeit I'm very mad at him right now, they have the best kicker in the NFL, in my opinion, who missed his first kick in, in 70, 70-something tries inside the 40-yard line. I lost to, like, by three to Ellis. And I know even Thanks, though he – I know even though he says he doesn't care, I know he was checking in on that by 11 o'clock. Matt, know Matt, you know he cares because he jumped me in the standings with that win. The, the only reason I care about that is because I went from calendar possible to seventh, which is, you know, the first team not in the playoffs. But to make Dennis go to ninth place after last season winning baseball, winning football, him not shutting the F up, you know, Dennis, you know. I would have. Annoying. And now in both leagues, in the dumpster, in the dumpster. And it is fantastic to see firsthand. Thank you, Dennis, for the privilege of seeing this. To be fair, it was two years ago that I managed a winning baseball team while managing a soon-to-be winning football team. And then the next year, managed a winning football team. So sorry if Booby Bonanza is a little tuckered out. All right. Couldn't happen to a better person. I, I need some. I, <laughs> I thought, my thought process. And you know what? Just for that, I hope you don't play in the league next year. Now I hope you don't come. My thought process in this league is that guy where he's like stroking his chin. He's like, you can't, you can't lose a championship if you weren't in the league to begin with. And that's that's my thought process. But Ellis, I was thinking of texting you towards the end, and I was like, no, because I know he's watching, and I don't want to give him the satisfaction. So I'm just not going to. I. Say I was not watching that game just so you know i didn't care but i know you looked. i know you looked at the at the the app the the fantasy no, didn't look until wednesday morning i don't believe you for a minute <laughs> i don't look anymore <laughs> but baltimore played really well that second half baltimore is better than the tennessee titans i think it's going to be a fantastic game i would not miss it but i i think the baltimore ravens get this one against cleveland uh just so you know, I'm pretty. Didn't the Titans beat Baltimore this season? No, I'm saying Tennessee beat or Cleveland beat Tennessee, and like literally was up 31-7. So you would think after that performance, Cleveland keeps it rolling regardless of who they're playing. Okay, okay, okay. But that's my point. But I think Look, I completely agree with what you're both saying, especially you, Matt, with the way Baltimore looked in the second half. I, I think that, and I said it with the we're talking about the Giants' schedule. I, they're one of the teams that might scare me the most because I think they're going to start picking up steam. Lamar Jackson looked like the Lamar Jackson we all thought was going to come into the season. With that said, last week, I wanted to pick Cleveland to beat Tennessee. Should have, because I would have only lost one game on you in the standings. But I wanted them to prove it to me. They proved it to me. They looked real good on the road in front of a lot of people. Nashville's got quite a few people that are in that in Nissan Stadium. This game's at Cleveland. The Dog Pound has had a few fans inside their stadium. I think maybe there's a little bit of an edge there. I think they will be riled up because they know how important this game is. Because if they drop this game, they know in a week they will have a tough matchup, whether they like it or not, with a giant team. It's going to be on the road. It's going to become must-win territory because the Baltimore's only going to be a game back of them. The Baltimore's already gotten them big time this season. So I'm taking Cleveland. I'm going to trust Baker Mayfield as much as that scares the hell out of me. But I think offensively, they can win a shootout against this Baltimore team. 
I don't know if they can stop him because the defense looked putrid against Tennessee, especially in the second half. Tennessee got back in a night football game, but I think that's how good Tennessee is. I will take Cleveland. Ellis, what do you got for us? For what? I told you to pick two games. What have you been doing over there? Oh, I, I thought you were coming back to me for the Cleveland Ravens. I was like, I already picked. <laughs> I know you already picked. I know how this works. Great oh. production here. Uh, this, uh, you know what? Let's do uh, – let's wait. You didn't even make the picks. Yes. You had an hour plus. Am I doing one or two? You're doing two. two. Oh, okay. Let's do Steelers-Bills. Okay. That's a good one. I'm going to pick the Steelers. Um, I think with Pouncey coming back and Connor both coming back, I think that uh, definitely propels them past the Bills. I mean, Bills Bills look real good. Allen had a really good game last week. What do you have? Four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've looked pretty good this year. A lot better than I thought they would. But I think with Steelers coming off their first loss, only loss, and with getting those two big guys back, I think they come away with the win. Matthew. I'm going to go with – Dennis knows where I'm going with this already. i got to go with the Buffalo Bills. And, I mean – Bandwagon all year. I, I, I think I would have said this. I mean, I'm more inclined to say it now after their performance against Washington. Obviously, Ellis mentioned missing some key components. But I think we could all agree, even with those key components, Washington has been the weakest undefeated team in, in memory. Like, they have not been a – not been a bad team, obviously, but they have not been a – just this – eye-opening undefeated team like they're definitely not going to lose yeah they're not destroying anybody and i I still would have said that buffalo is is going to win this like ellis said josh allen's been fantastic all year granted uh the bills like their last few games have been against teams that they probably should have won i think one was los angeles i think last week what was it monday night or tuesday night whatever night it was against san francisco but i mean they controlled both of them and i i think the buffalo bills this is where I could say I think the Buffalo Bills are a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have not been – I've been impressed with Pittsburgh, but not to the level of undefeated. I think Pittsburgh is like a wounded animal right now after that Washington game. And I don't think where you'd say some teams just bounce right back after this. I don't think Washington is – or excuse me, Washington. I don't think Pittsburgh is this – reflects – I don't think their record reflects the, their how they are as a team. I think Buffalo – if you gave me those two teams and switched the records and said, which one do you think is which based on how they've played this year scores aside, I would think Buffalo has the 11 and one record, not Pittsburgh. I'm going with the Buffalo bills. It's been my, been my pick. I've been impressed with them for the majority of the season. I'm sticking with them. Nobody circles the wagons. like The Buffalo bills, Matt, I would hate to disagree with you, but I'm not going to. Barring a hail Mary from Kyler Murray. They take down Arizona. They've taken down Seattle. They've taken down the Rams. Uh, I'm not forgetting another big team they played. There's somebody else on there. Either way, they beat the- Josh Allen's looking really good. And look, this game being in Buffalo, I think maybe a bit of an edge, at least playing in your home stadium. They blew out Seattle there. They went nail-biter finish to beat the Rams. Look, Rams are first-place team now. Also, this has first-round buy implications on this game the bills get this win they're in the driver's seat for getting into now not in the car but they're opening the door of the driver's seat to wheel their way into the two seat because kansas city will run away with the one seed with the one loss obviously so i'm taking the bills 
And that is uh, that is your Sunday night um, game this weekend. Could be chilly. Yeah, it's gonna. It's probably gonna be a cold night in Buffalo. Put your mittens on. A few hot chilies. Maybe those Ellis. little tea bag things that heat up. Ellis, what's your other uh, <laughs> what's your other pick that we're gonna run through here? All right, here we go. Are you ready? We are going Houston Chicago. A terrible game. It's a great game, Dennis. Great game. Last time you get to pick two games. Terrible Bears, game. Bears are struggling mightily, and uh, they can't figure Diddley out. Houston, uh, since Fuller's been out, have actually looked pretty good. And David Johnson's back, and Watson's looks like Watson, and I think uh, Houston's going to take this one. I agree. Matt, you can end it. Uh, Houston by a million. No, so that's Houston, Houston's had such an unfortunate year. The beginning of their schedule was – treacherous and look we laugh about being giants fans and unluckiness can you imagine being a bears fan can you imagine being five and one to start the year and people are talking playoffs and then you drop your next six or your next five whatever it is what are they five and six now five and seven five and seven we're five and seven <laughs> we were one and seven unheard of i'm gonna agree Texans with by a million I'm agreeing with both of you. I'm going Texans. Before we end the show tonight, I, I I think we just have a few minutes to run over this 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 meme I found on a Giants Facebook page I follow, and I just want to bring it up really quick. We can run over it again next week, but there's a bunch of images of pills. Like if you take this blue pill, this is going to happen. If you take the red pill, this is going to happen. And but there's four pills. More than that, that's a lot. That's quite a few pills to choose from. One of the pills make my pants tighter. That's the fifth pill. Um, what do I want? Out of these four pills, there's different options uh, where Giants fans can essentially change the past, and they are as follows. You take one pill, Plexico does not shoot himself. Um, we remember the Giants were 10-1, and one. Plexico shot himself. I don't think we won another game after that, and then we lost a home playoff game in the first round of the Eagles. We were not even in that game to begin with. Um, I remember that was one, one of the other Eagle loss games that I had attended. Um, pill number two, Dave Gettleman, Giants general manager. Never gets hired. Right now, Dennis and I have commended him for the way some of his late picks are playing, especially the Leonard Williams acquisition. But to this day, almost halfway through December, still really nothing to show for in his tenure as Giants GM. So uh, the third pill, speaking of the Eagles, Giants play the Eagles. Uh, I think there was a, a, a playoff um, aspirations riding on that particular game or conference championship riding something. There was some playoff implication riding on that game uh where matt dodge punts the ball to deshaun jackson and runs it uh all the way to the end zone wins the game for philadelphia huge comeback for them but in this case matt dodge punts the ball out of bounds who knows what happens after that and finally the giants sign a real long snapper in 2002 instead of of course trey junkin so dennis Nels, which one would you pick you go first i i think I think I would go blue pill. Um, that what was it? Ten and one, or was it eleven and one? We were, we were ten and one when Plexiglas shot himself. That team just looked so good on every level, and when that happened, it, it just the whole team it was totally demoralized and went from great, fantastic looking team to absolute garbage. And that playoff game was so hard to watch i'd probably take that blue pill it's the mad dodge this isn't even a debate in my opinion 
I understand how bad they look. They finished the year, I think, 12 and four. Get the home playoff game, get absolutely waxed by the Eagles. Awful. I'm sorry. I remember coming home from college, sitting on my bed, crisscross applesauce, because I don't think you're supposed to say Indian style anymore, and I don't want to get canceled, even though I just said it. So it was crisscross applesauce. And the flurry of text messages that came through my cellular device after Deshaun Jackson ran down the one-yard line. Yes, folks, that's how much time he had to get into the end zone. There's no giant was in sight. He ran from one pylon to the other into the end zone, throwing the football as time expired to win a walk-off win, an unprecedented comeback win. It was Christmas time. The Fox little timeout things were the Christmas bulbs. I remember the scoreboard just sitting there nearly weeping. Like, how did this happen? How did, how did we allow this to happen? And then to see the replay and Tom Coughlin screaming his little cherry face off to kick it out of bounds. And that boob match dodge just kicks it right to him, right to him. One of the most dangerous return men in the NFL at the time. It's not a debate. I'm sorry. Well, Dennis. Relax. Your sweatpants, don't wear them to the club. Maybe if you're going to carry a piece, wear some jeans, maybe get a holster for it. You know, uh, one of the most strict gun lawed states in America. Maybe get it registered. Get it registered. One, let I understand, me. I understand picking that one, but I'm sorry. It's Matt Dodge. Let me break out the world's smallest violin for you. How, how tear your poor phone, all the text messages. Try going to school in Philadelphia when that happened. I was just driving. I was about to. I understand. You almost killed our friend, the Italian Stallion, Steve Salvo. Steve, Steve Salvo was almost. was he in almost the, drove off the Tappan Z. I remember. No, it was the GW. I remember Sorry. being at the game with Salvo and bless his little heart because the whole time, like, the Giants are killing it. We got the lead. But knowing the Giants like we all do, I'm not celebrating. They're playing jump around by House of Pain in the stadium. I'm not jumping around. I'm like, no, this could get ugly fast. I'm not celebrating until there's literally zero seconds on the clock. And then Eagles start scoring. I start biting my nails more. And Stavos keeps patting me on the back. He's like, you got it. You got it. Eagles score again. And you could tell he's kind of like a little hesitant. He's like, no, man, you're, like, you're good. You're good. You got it. You got it. And the Giants win. I think I looked over at Salvo and I was like, well, Salvo, do we got it? <laughs> and I'm driving back. My phone's blowing up all my Philly friends and family from Temple, my family down there in Jersey. They're all, and I, I'm like driving on the GW and I'm like, this is it. And I'm like, I got Salvo in the car though. So I can't do this. I got to get him back to his family. And man, that was a, whew, that was a fun game. But Dennis, I got to agree with you or uh, disagree with you. Excuse me. Um, no, you can no, agree. Not agreeing with you. Because after saying all that, I don't know how you don't agree. I, You're just justifying it because we win the Super Bowl if, a year after. If you ask me, yes. If you ask me this question, I will give you this. If you ask me this question right after that season, I'd probably agree with you. But since we won the Super Bowl that next year, that erased all of it for me. That literally erased all of it for me. I, I do not care anymore. When Eagles fans try to bring that up, I say, well, we won the Super Bowl the next year. And typically they're like, Okay, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Like, you guys could have that highlight reel. You could show it all year long on Philadelphia sports channels. I don't care. We won the Super Bowl the next year. So, for me, that's as good as gone. I agree with Ellis. I go the Plexico, uh, the Plexico pill, him not shooting himself. Because think about what happened right before that. We won the Super Bowl as a wild card team. Who would have thought we'd have the best Giants team that we've seen in years the year after we won the Super Bowl? We were 10-1. and one. We were by far, bar none, the favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champions that year. We had one of, if not the best wide receiver in the league at that time, Plexico. Eli didn't even need to throw it at Plexico. He could throw it 10 feet around Plexico 
and that guy was so insanely tall, he would have found a way to make a play of it. We were headed straight for the playoffs, headed straight for the Super Bowl. Instead, I'm pretty certain we lost out. Ella said we lost all mojo and camaraderie that we had in that team. And then we get to the playoffs, a home game against the Eagles, and we don't even show up. So a year that I think was destined for a Super Bowl repeat, at least a deep run in the playoffs, it was a magical season nonetheless. And just Plexico heading to a nightclub in Jersey to pick up his friend essentially ruined all of that. And do I think teams ride on, like, I don't necessarily think that that without, because we've shown that we could win without Plexico, but that any momentum we had was just gone. And that team stopped believing that they could win because of what an integral part he was. So I like to think that that would have been a magical postseason run. 10 and one was our record. And then it just went to, shiitake mushrooms after that some people like shiitake mushrooms i've not honestly never had shiitake mushrooms maybe i would like them but anyways either either of you have anything uh left to add before we wrap this one up i just have one question what is the deal with the long snapper am i missing uh, something trey junkin i think he was the one uh i forget which game it was in like the postseason where he like literally just snapped it in 100 different directions it was, uh, it was the year that uh, – it was like the, the year before the, the Ravens uh, Super Bowl. Oh. Well, I'll pull it up after this. I have no recollection of that I just, or him. Trey Junkin. Um, but, yeah, so that, that all we got? Yeah, I'm good. All right. So um, all we got to say uh, for this weekend, Giants, Arizona, that's 1 o'clock. Enjoy that. If you're uh, keeping a look on the Giants and their playoff hopes and the division – Washington takes on uh, the Niners. That's a 425 game. Uh, you have Eagles playing the Saints at 425 and Philly. And I'm looking for the Cowboys. Cowboys are in Cincinnati Sunday at 1 o'clock as well. Uh, by the time this is released, maybe Patriots-Rams will be happening. Here, really last second. Patriots-Rams. I got the Rams. Patriots. Rams. All right, Dennis and I have the Rams, also the Patriots. All right, you all have a great weekend. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, Matt Dennis Pod or Matt and Dennis on Facebook, feel free to tweet at us. I think we're going to have our friend Dom Costanzo coming on at some point uh, in the near future, so we will welcome him on. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about Jets and Mets, Dennis and I's two favorite topics. Alex, <laughs> thank you, as always. Hey, the Mets are going to sign a catcher. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. We'll have you on again soon. For Dennis Vinci and our dear friend Ellis Gill, I'm Matt Scrano. Thanks so much for listening to Matt and Dennis. Enjoy football this week. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you at the beginning of next week. Have a good night, Dennis. Adios. Adios.